to overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. And welcome. Today we have an excellent guest, but before we get started, we want to thank matchmaker.fm for sending our guest over to us. Go check them out if you're a podcaster, matchmaker.fm. Today we are going to talk with Brendan. Brendan is with Master Talk. Brendan, would you please tell people what you do and how did you get started doing that? Of course, happy to share, Ed. It's great to be on. So yeah, I'm the founder of Master Talk. It's a YouTube channel I started up the world, master the art of communication and public speaking. And the way that I got started was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing yeah. sports or watching sports and eating chicken wings, I ate those same chicken wings. But instead of watching sports games, I would watch other people present and then critique them. So that was my life for, for all of my university. And suffice to say, presented over 500 times, coached a bunch of people, had the time of my life. And when I started working in corporate, I asked myself the following question, which was, how can I use my time and expertise to make a difference in the world? And that's when the idea for the YouTube channel started, because I found that a lot of the content on public speaking on YouTube, frankly, wasn't really good. So I wanted to make a change in that area. That's so awesome. So really, you do a lot with coaching. Uh, you help people like podcasters go out there and be better speakers. You got it. That's awesome. I watched a little of your YouTube content, and I'm telling you, this is some masterful content here. And the content, it really is thought-provoking and it makes you think i notice you say you don't like using cue cards why, why is that brendan <laughs> it's an interesting way to start the podcast usually people don't start with that i like it cue cards you should never use them <laughs> for many good reasons there is one exception to the rule that i'll point out before ranting on them is if you're an absolute beginner and for you a win just means presenting and not vomiting and just getting through a presentation, then absolutely, by all means, please use cue cards if that'll help you. But for the other 98% of people, I would say cue cards are a bad way or a bad habit that you're training yourself. And I'll explain why. Let's say I'm giving a speech and I'm saying something riveting, thought-provoking that will really get you to think. And then I look at my cue card. And then I go back to the point and then I say something thought provoking and then I look at the cue card again. And then what happens is the big issue with cue cards is we're creating a barrier. It's almost as if if I come into a podcast and I have everything noted already word for word 
it doesn't seem as authentic. It doesn't seem as real and special. So I want to challenge everyone. Sure. You're more than happy to write notes on a paper. You're more than happy to structure your thoughts. But when it's game time and it's time to present, I highly encourage you not to use those notes. Yes, that is so true. And, you know, the best way to present, and especially a podcast, is like you said, it's game time. Get in there. Just be yourself. Talk. And I love your energy. You present with this energy that a lot of people, they don't have. How do you find that energy to get up in front of all of these people and overcome all the butterflies that you know how bad that can get when you're first starting? How does that all work for you, Brendan? Absolutely. And I think a great tie-in with what you're saying here, Ed, with energy is this idea of confidence. How do we appear or how do we give the impression that we're more confident through our energy and through the way that we're speaking? And I think there's two key areas that we need to think about. One is simple, preparation. How much have we actually prepared for this presentation, for this thing that we're about to do? So a good example is me, right? I started MasterTalk when I was only 22. So I'm sure a lot of people in the industry would say, well, this guy's really young. What does he have to teach the world about public speaking? But on the other end of the the spectrum, you know, I'm despite my age, I've probably presented like almost a thousand times now. So through that experience, I'm still able to speak on it. But the second part of confidence that's much more important for energy and the way that we project our voice and the way that we think about it is developing a belief system. When people are clear on what they believe in, with what world they're trying to create, through what point of view are they navigating society, it is much easier to be confident and to bring energy. And I'll use myself as an example here, and I'll even use you as an example. So you're someone who's clearly very passionate about podcasting. You've clearly done a lot of research. And this shows through the confidence in the questions that you're asking and the energy because you're excited to have this conversation. And that's the belief system because you believe in this idea that when you invite a guest onto the show, you want to make sure to give them the best possible experience. And if we tie that back with me, Whenever I think about public speaking and public speaking coaching, these are the words that come to mind. Boring, tedious, <laughs> and for some reason, it's always being compared to death. And I'm always like, why? if we want yeah. to inspire people to speak, why do we keep mentioning that? It's not relevant to the conversation. It's not helping people speak better. So when I thought about the industry and what I wanted to create, I said, I'm going to be young. I'm going to be fresh. I'm going to add new ways of thinking about the same problem that we're all facing in a way that inspires you to take action rather than run away from it like most people. So that's where the energy comes from. It doesn't come from my green smoothie in the morning. It doesn't come from my walks along the beach. Those things help. But the real thing is figuring out what you believe in. So for you, the person who's listening, if there is a subject, if there is a topic that you care about, whether it's knitting cupcake recipes, a teddy bear. It doesn't matter what the thing is. It just matters what you believe about that thing. And once you're clear on that, the energy will come out on its own. That That is so true. And you know, the age really doesn't matter. I really think that the passion that you push really can overcome any of that inexperience. You know, I've I've lived in the world for a little while now and I've learned a lot from young people. If you cannot learn from young people, you're done anyway. So the bottom line, I read on your statement on your web 
page impact. That's bottom line. You want to have the greatest impact. And you do. And through your preparation, I noticed you go through these routines days before even. And you say you even go as far as to cut your hair so <laughs> it grows out to a certain length. What, you know, some people would say that's OCD, but I say that's perfect. You know, you're really into the game that you're pushing. Tell me more about that, would you, Brendan, please? Of course, I'm happy to, Ed, and it's great that you mentioned that. So, so one thing I want to emphasize with rituals is we always have a ritual that speaks to us. But one thing I want to add here to the conversation is anybody who does something great in their lives, and by great, I mean at a very high level, you know, top 1% or 2% of the world, they're generally a bit weird in whatever where that takes form. And a good example I can draw here is Michael Jordan. So for those who have seen the the Last Dance documentary on Netflix of his journey through his six NBA championships, and but trust me, this is coming from a guy who doesn't even like sports, and I watched it, right? And what was interesting hmm. about the documentary is that he conjures up his own enemies. So in one of the episodes of the show, one basketball player in particular, BJ Armstrong, beat him at a game, and all he told Michael was good game. And he literally just a good game, right? And he got mad at him. And the next game, he just annihilated their team. So the media came up to Michael and they just said, what did that guy ever do to you? And he responded with, oh, nothing. I just made it up. And that is crazy. <laughs> it's insane. And, I, and a lot of that applies to me. Maybe not that crazy, but I think the idea is simple. The way that I think about rituals is by picking specific habits that have given me luck that add value to what I believe makes a great presentation. So when I used to compete in university, Ed, it was really intense. Like I know I say it presented 500 times, that seems like an intimidating number, but there's a reason why it presented so much. Because we would go to like the business Olympics, think of 19 different countries from around the world flying in or the local competitions, we'd, up, we'd be up against 13 other universities. It was like the NCAAs, but for presentations. So we would spend months on end for one shot at the cup. Every year, we'd practice Christmas, New Year's Eve. Everyone would be practicing hard, hard for when the competition came. We would all give our best. So these are rituals that I developed over time that sort of helped me. So one of those that you mentioned was cutting my hair with the same barber. Well, I have two barbers that I cut hairs with, my hair with. So one of the two, two weeks before, because I the image that I have of myself presenting, I think about months in advance for the presentations that really matter. And another thing that's helped me that doesn't really apply to everyone is that I always buy a new suit for a new presentation that's really important. So I probably buy a new suit every year now out of the hundreds of presentations I give. So the message that I wanna draw here with rituals is by no means are they necessary, but if you can find a ritual that speaks to you, that works for you personally, after you go over the public speaking basics, of course, then hopefully it, it, it puts you at a gear that nothing else can put you through. Yeah, that's very interesting. Winding up for the talk can really get your nerves just racked. I found that when I go into speaking with anybody, no matter the number, if it's 2, 10, 50, whatever, every time I get butterflies in my stomach and 
preparing, I, I tend to like withdraw myself before I speak. And I didn't really capture that until I listened to that about you, that you go through these ritual type movements. And I found that very interesting. And I wondered, well, how many speakers actually do those sort of things? Because to master your speaking, you kind of got to be calm. And another thing you talk about and I also push this a lot. You have to be a master listener in order to be able to speak properly. I have a hard time speaking anyway, but through listening to podcasters, that's why I love podcasting. It's taught me how to be a great listener. What is your take on listening? No, I love that. Ed. And, and I agree in the same way you had trouble with speaking. I had trouble with listening, as you could probably tell. I'm very extroverted. I love, you know, being the life of the party, quote unquote, which means that it took me years to master listening. I would talk over a lot of people all the time. And what I realized from especially a lot of the introverted individuals that I've coached over the years is that listening allows you to tap into your audience much faster than any other type of skill. So for instance, I remember I gave a presentation a couple of months ago to a group of teenage girls. Obviously, you know, to me, to you, I'm probably a young guy, but to them, I'm the old guy, right? Like I'm ancient, man. This dude's like 25. Oh, listen to this guy. He's old. So what I learned was, and I didn't get it the first time. I just gave my regular presentation with the same jargon, with the same technicalities that I would give a senior executive. And obviously it didn't fly very well with them because they just said, what's a CEO? I don't know what this is. What's an IBM? What's all this stuff? I don't understand. But when I talked to them, when I got breakfast with them afterwards and I just chatted with them, I realized very quickly that I wasn't their expert. I was their buddy. And if I started acting like their buddy, who just had something to share about public speaking that could be valuable to them, I would speak to them in a totally different way. So when I came back next year, I did a much better job. I had pictures of roses. I told a lot more jokes. It was a lot more informal. And above all, I never talked about my accomplishments ever again. I just went straight into the facts. I told my jokes. And that that's enough to prove my credibility. So I think by listening, what it allows you to do is it allows you to tap into a new body of knowledge that you weren't aware of before. Whether it's a new video idea for a YouTube channel like me, whether it's a new thought that you didn't think through before, whether it's a question you haven't thought to ask yourself, listening enables you to achieve those new bodies of knowledge and really put yourself ahead of the competition of what you're trying to do in life. Really interesting. You know, when when we can put ourselves in that theater and just enjoy the show, it's awesome. And I've found through just speaking with many people, the more you just shut up and listen, the more you can learn and take away from it. So it's a valuable lesson to really learn to listen. Another thing we always want to talk about is the name game. You you call it the name game, using people's names. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? 
course, happy to. So that's that's a coin that I got from uh, Keith Ferrazzi, who's the author of the book Never Eat Alone. It's it's a trick that he uses uh, whenever he uh, whenever he goes to a cocktail or a networking event or really just any event. Is he challenges himself to remember a certain number of names. So let's say in this case it's seven or eight or nine. So the name game allows you as the number goes up to prove that you are a good listener. You just need to pay attention to the people that you're talking to. But the second part of it, which is another strategy I love for listening, is what you want to do is you want to listen to conversations that have already occurred. I'll give you an example. So let's say me, yourself, Ed, and let's say Julia, we're all sitting together at a table and we're talking. And you and Julia are having a conversation. Even if I'm listening to you two, half of my mind is thinking, I wonder what I want to add here. What am I going to reply to this? What am I going to add here in this conversation that Ed and Julia are currently having? But what's interesting about listening to a podcast like this one, for example, is that the conversation is already over, which means that you're going to spend your entire mind just thinking about what they're saying and just taking notes on that. And that's actually how I learned listening, not by having conversations with other people, because I always talk over people, at least I used to. I don't do that anymore. But what I do now is I listen to a bunch of podcasts. And since the conversation is over, I can't input even if I wanted to. So it forces me to just sit there for two hours a day and take notes on somebody else's knowledge and what somebody else is saying. And once you start realizing the benefit as it reapplies back into your life, then you apply it with real people after. Yes, that's true. The one thing I've found also is I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to challenge myself. I want to invite people to talk to me that I don't know much about what is going on. I want them to be the expert enlightening me so I can learn and expand my education on whatever topic I'm interested in. So if we're able to do that, that's a wonderful thing. Are there some tips that you can give people that help them identify who they are as a speaker and what style they should be using as they speak? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So the way that I think about this, because I don't want people to get too nerve-wracked about style, because there's different. Because the only style that matters is the one that you choose to take on, and everyone's unique. But I think one easy way of thinking about this, Ed, is by answering the following question, which is as follows. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? And the more detailed you are as you describe that world, the more chances you'll have at finding your style that much faster. So a bad example of an answer is saying, uh, you know, I'd be good at uh, public speaking and, uh, well, uh, you know, and I can get a promotion at work and that's not good. But a great answer, so let's say I use you as an example, is if if I was a great communicator, and you already are, but uh, you know, I'm just using you here as an example, I would be a much better podcast host. I can ask more meaningful questions in a way that's so elusive that my audience will always want to listen to me. We'll always want to tune in every week to listen to my insights. And what will happen because of that? I'll impact more lives, thousands of lives, versus the 10 people in my just my community. I can share this message out to a bunch of people, speak on stages, talk about the power of podcasting and listening and tuning into people's emotions. 
that is the impact that you make. Or another great answer, being a great communicator isn't just about being on stage. It's about taking care of the needs of the people around you. One example I can give is one person I was talking to the other day said, you know, if I mastered public speaking and had more confidence, I can take my wife on a bunch of trips around the world and take the lead for a lot of the conversations where none of us understand the language uh, to show that I'm taking, you know, a lead here and that I'm, you know, I'm taking her on this amazing experience because I love her very much. That's what communication is for people. It's not, it's not about this chore or this responsibility or this obligation that we tend to see it as or that school has drilled into us, but rather, how would the world be better if we were good communicators? And from there, that's what stems our key ideas, the ideas that we want to share with the world. And from those ideas, then we can mix them in with our own personality. And the best way of doing that is just by looking at what other speakers are doing and taking the things we like and don't like. And through all of those exercises, asking yourself the right questions, figuring out the ideas you want to share, and copying other speakers bit by bit to develop your own style, that's how you find your voice. Yeah, and each speaker, each person, they do have their own voice and they do have to develop like their own style. It's unique. It's hard to do at times, especially when you're young. You know, I would never have thought I would be here podcasting today 30 years ago. I would never think about speaking to somebody. So developing the skills and finding a good style to present it's not easy to do. When we move forward with what we find ourselves needing to do in the world, say we want to be a speaker or we want to be a runner or we want to be a pool player, whatever it is, we have to put work into it. It just doesn't happen. You can't be Joe Rogan overnight. So, how long did it take you to develop the skills where you felt comfortable enough to get on the microphone at all? Absolutely. And and for me, to be quite transparent for everyone, it took me a long time. And the reason is because, and that's why I'm so passionate about public speaking. When I was growing up in Montreal, I'm based in Canada, for those who don't know, and Montreal is one of the few cities in the world where French is a required language. It's a weird city where everyone speaks multiple languages at the same time. So I needed to study mm. French. I needed to learn the language, except one problem. When I got put into a French education system, I didn't speak a word of French. So for the first 15 years, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations, I had to give them in a language I didn't even know. Mm. So you can imagine the anxiety and the nervousness that I had at the beginning. But for me, over time, it took me a good, uh, you know, if I add all of those years together, it's a long time. But I would say where I really started taking public speaking seriously, it took me a good three, four years to get right. But I think for the people who are listening, and that's why I'm so passionate about public speaking in the free YouTube videos, is it, it won't take you three, four years if you put in the rigor and you put in the tips Right? Because none of the knowledge I shared existed before I shared it, which is weird, odd to say. But now, what all of you can do now is you have an opportunity, an opportunity to take an idea you love, present it so many times that it hurts in the same way you do hundreds of podcasts, Ed. And then from that moment, 
use the tips from this conversation or from any other conversation that you're enjoying and work on that one idea. And once you've refined it, you can get to me in a couple of months, not a couple of years. Yes, that's a good point right there, too. You know, once we develop those skills, uh, that's how I developed my skills with podcasting. I started with just an angry voice because I was mad <laughs> and I wanted to get it out to the world. Through listening to other podcasters, I found this unique healing through listening and talking. It wasn't good at first, but through listening to other presenters, I was able to hone my skill and know a little more about, hey, just settle down and let a conversation happen. Don't get too excited. It's not easy. When people want to look you up, Brendan, how do they find you to get involved with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I always say I'm not famous or anything, so feel free to just send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Master Your Talk. And if you want uh, to check out the YouTube videos and learn from all of the speaking tips that I have to share with folks, you can check out Master Talk in one word on YouTube. I do want to thank you for being with us today. And like always, people, it's about learning. And Brendan here has a wealth of information on his YouTube channel. I will leave links in the description notes. And like always, enjoy your day. And Brendan, thank you for being with us here on Dead America. Of course, my pleasure, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, Please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.